This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. About to catch up with John Owning, Pro Football Focus, the editor and, of course, alum formerly of Dallas Morning News. Does an excellent job. We love John. He's one of our favorites. Have the top 10 coming up on the other side, an hour away from Zach Martin as well, joining us on the show as we roll on into hour number three of the G Bag Nation. Zach Wolchuk, Brian Broadus, Lucius Alexander, Carter Freeman, running your video on Twitch and on YouTube. And, of course, you are Turn It On, Leave It On listeners. Happy holidays. We love you very much. Hopefully, you're staying uh, warm and dry out there. And what is a rainy day here? In the Metroplex, without further ado, let's uh, turn things over to the Boomer Jacks Bar and Grill Hotline. John, how the hell are you doing, sir? Doing good. How about yourself? Man, we're doing really well, John, and I'm curious, you know, do you think it's a good idea for the Cowboys to move Micah off ball? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. I, I'm, already, I'm, I'm already on my victory taking rounds on that. You know, Micah Parsons came out, backed us up. So I think that, that matter is settled. Keep him on the line of scrimmage. You know, it's, it's funny you say that, John, because I went back and I watched that Green Bay game that you were talking about and, you know, the, the yards and all that. And, you know, early in that game, you know, there was some – he had some nice positive plays. I mean, he got to the ball. and so, I mean, You could kind mm-hmm. of see at the end he was getting wore down. You know, he was having to rush. He was having to play and, you know, all the snaps that he plays. So, uh, I, you know what, there was, a, there was a time in my life where I'm saying, yeah, absolutely do this. And then I'm thinking – Against the Dolphins, with the way their offensive line is right now, health-wise, I'm, I'm lining them up against every one of those backups. Every one of those guys that's a backup in that football game this, uh, this Sunday and say, okay, just go attack these guys one-on-one and, and, and kind of figure it out from there. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the whole thought process on moving Micah to linebacker is kind of a I know they're not trying to do this, but in a way it's kind of disrespectful to like the linebackers as a whole, just thinking that a guy can come in without practicing at the position for essentially two years, being a, exclusively almost on the line of scrimmage, thinking he can just waltz in and be an effective off-ball linebacker when almost every offense in the NFL is doing everything they can to make life miserable on the opposing linebackers, whether that's putting them in conflict with play action or RPOs yeah. or and then they have to read pullers, or then you've got the whole zone read situation, which gave the Cowboys a lot of uh, issues against Josh Allen. So it's just there's so much that goes into playing off-ball linebacker, especially in today's NFL. The fact that you think that somebody could play it part-time and do it at a high enough level that it's going to not take away from what you're missing from him playing on the line of scrimmage and rushing the passer and getting upfield every down, I just don't think it's worth it at this point. Yeah, John, I I think that the, the Cowboy fans are, they're just, they're having those nightmares about the way that the the Bills ran the football. You know, they, mm-hmm. they just, they, and, you know, and all along we're just, and I know every time we do pregame shows, postgame shows, we talk about the Cowboys and how much guys like Bell and Curse and these guys and Dan Quinn and what they're having to do. I just think people are trying to think about it's the simple fixes get big bodies there. 
Just get mm-hmm. big bodies behind the line, you know, and, and that's going to solve all the problems. Yeah, and, like, it makes sense. I understand that why that line of thinking is people think that that's advantageous, but, like, I think there is just so many other things that can be done schematically or with your personnel that can make a bigger difference than just simply moving Micah off ball. I don't think that really solves anything. It's not going to prevent the off the interior offensive lineman from climbing to the second level sure. on doubles. It's not going to make, you know, the, um, on these outside runs, it's not going to cause, um, he's not going to be like the quickest to read, you know, pullers exactly. Right. Especially yeah. when there's a lot of backfield action, like Mark quest bell, Marcus bell on the last, against Buffalo had a lot of issues or, and Damone Clark actually too. They had a lot of issues when on the zone read and power read stuff, because we have two defenders going with Josh Allen and that leaves you already. We're in a neutral box. So then with those two guys vacated out of the box, you're now down a defender. Now you've got six blockers for five defensive linemen and your only chance is a safety coming in from the roof to try to bring in run support. And that just takes too long. And that's why the Buffalo bills, even when they weren't cranking these 10 plus yards, they were getting five, six, seven yards consistently. It's because the rest of Cowboys run support took time and opposing offensive lines. They, they're not worried about the Cowboys defensive tackles ability to shed single blocks. So they're just giving a helping hand or maybe a little bump and they're getting to the second level extremely quickly in those situations. So, you know, there's just a lot of different, a lot of things that went wrong and, a lot of people, you know, it's hard for people to accept the fact that they just got their butts kicked in a yeah, game, and that sure happens, did. you know? Yeah. You Sometimes you go you go to a game and you just don't have your best stuff that day, and I think that is also playing a large point into it, especially, too, when you, and then you can add in all the schematic changes, you know, because they thought they were going to have Millie Cooker, and then they don't last mm-hmm. minute, and then you have to change and put Wanye Thomas, who plays more in the box, now he's playing deep, and how that changes how you want to align and structure your defense against a team that you think is going to actually pass the ball adequately enough. And, but then they just had so much success that they just kept running and pounding and pounding the rock. So it just creates a bunch of circumstances, I think, that led to the game. I don't think there's just one thing moving Mike at a linebacker like it would have changed anything. I really, I think the Bills are still going to be gobbling up yards on the ground regardless of where he lined up. John Owning, Pro Football Focus, with us here in the G-Bag Nation. You know, looking at this Miami game, they present a lot of challenges, but but different challenges. You mentioned the RPO stuff and having to account for Josh Allen. Two is not running, right? But the motion that Mike McDaniel will utilize and the speed that they have, what kind of challenges and concerns should the Cowboys have going up against Miami? Oh, it's a ton of trouble. Because I think, um, I forget who posted it at PFF, but it was like a week or two ago when they were talking about how successful defenses are against um, motion. And while the Cowboys defense before the Buffalo game were actually getting pretty decent results on a play-by-play basis from either success rate or like an EPA per play, or even if you want to go into the PFF grading, they were doing a pretty adequate job. But then when they faced motion, especially motion at the snap, they were really, really struggling. The Cowboys, you see their their uh, efficiency and effectiveness go way down. And that's a recipe for disaster against Mike McDaniel is probably the most innovative offensive mind there is right now when it comes to bringing in creative motion and having that inner a lot of teams they use motion but they're not using it for purposefully consistently every motion he does is done purposefully and he can build counters off those motions say you know they do those exit motions with Tyreek Hill because they're trying to spread out so they can hit that that RPO slant that they love 
well, you have the linebacker pushed up to try to take away that window. They're going to gas you up the middle with Devin A-Chain and yeah. Raheem Moster. You know, they have so many counters built in with these motions that it kind of goes against what the Cowboys have kind of struggled with all season long, and that kind of worries me. But then the thing that gives me a glimmer of hope is, you know, X's and O's are important, but the Jimmys and the Joes are way more yeah, important. And, the, there you and go. the Dolphins just don't have the Jimmys and Joes up front with all the injuries that they've had. So even though I think they will have the schematic advantages, just do they have the players that can really execute it at such a high level against Dallas's personnel? Well, John, you're, you're preaching my language right there, man. <laughs> I, I really, I, I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I kind of feel the same way. The thing that I worry about, John, is I worry about Vic Fangio in this defense and mm-hmm. as much of that cloud coverage and stuff, and we talked about how they play and then the fact that, you know, you got Ramsey and he travels and even travels in the slot and all. And you watch what, you know, it, to me, it, it seemed like that Buffalo had a really good plan about making Dak have to find white jerseys and all that sea of blue. Uh, is that something, it, the concern of Vic Fangio and and maybe the Dallas offense once again uh, not getting it done against a defense that might play that way. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think the Dolphins defense actually has the personnel to kind of match up with the Cowboys. I mean, you've got Jalen Ramsey, like you said, he travels. He's probably one of the only, probably the only cornerback in the NFL where you could say like one-on-one he has a chance of slowing down or even stopping CeeDee Lamb. They have also have Xavier Howard. I know he's dealing with an injury. Not sure if he's going to 100% play, but if he does, he's someone who can go toe-to-toe with either Gallup or Cooks on the outside. Then you've got some decent rushers uh, like Bradley Chubb, Andrew yeah. Van Ginkle. they got a lot of good personnel to kind of go, especially the thing that worries me a little bit is Van Ginkle versus Steele on the outside. I think that Van Ginkle can give Steele some issues, especially in pass protection there, especially – he continues to rely on that outside punch with his outside hand so much, and it makes him so susceptible for those swipes and cross drops that we've seen defenders use so much. And Van Ginkle, that's right up his alley, right in his game. And like you said, with Fan, the thing with Fanjo is his defense is really is one of the most moldable defenses that you have, especially from a structure standpoint against the pass. And he's gonna he plays the math. I call it the game of math when you're in coverage. He's always getting three over two. He's always getting four over three. He's always gonna have the math advantage when it comes to how many players are in coverage versus the receivers you have out in route. And the Cowboys, I think a key for the Cowboys is I'm not the biggest run game person, but you have to be able to run the ball when they're in too high situations. And you got to keep the game close so that you don't have to consistently pass and they can just drop eight or drop seven and just consistently like the Buffalo was able to do, just jump in uh, Dak Prescott's passing lanes consistently. But if you have a closer game where the run is a threat, you can still maintain the play action pass. And hopefully the Cowboys continue to utilize these motion concepts that have given them so much success since the bye week that they can have some success and be in a more favorable position to be able to enact the offense that has been so successful and why Dak was in MVP talks before the cataclysm that was last week. Yeah, John, when you when you went back and watched, though, the way that the Cowboy offense, it it didn't even look like it looked like the offense from weeks one through five. It didn't mm-hmm. even, it didn't even look. I mean, I know the running game was better than what we've seen in weeks one through five, you know, and I think Buffalo was like, cool, run the ball. You sure. know, you're not making any big plays, you know, sure. Mm-hmm. Six, seven, eight yards. Great. But the, you know, the game they were behind in the game, they never were going to, you know, I think Buffalo was worried about the big plays, but Dallas's offense, it didn't even look similar to what we've seen the previous size, six or seven weeks. 
Yeah, totally agree. The play action rate was down. The motion, um, both at the snap and shift, were both uh, rates were both down. You know, all these things that a thing that I focused on a lot is it, the first five weeks of the season, like you said, they were mostly a static two by two formation offense. And but then they started utilizing a lot more three by ones, a lot more quads, motioning the quads, and they just didn't do some stuff like that. I wonder if against the Buffalo Bills, they were going in thinking one thing, and then when the game kind of got out of their hands, they were just kind of like, "Well, we can't do play action now because they're not going to bite." Yeah, you know, um, I, it seemed like they didn't know exactly what the Bills were going to do on a play by play basis on the, in the back half in the secondary. So it seemed like they were just trying to make it as simple as possible, just keep it pre-snap without all the movement, and maybe Dak would be able to try to slice and dice it for something that was a little bit easier to diagnose pre-snap. But obviously that didn't work out, and I hope that even if for some reason the Cowboys you know, just give up like a big 90-yard Tyreek touchdown early or they're down – two touchdowns early that they stick with the offense that got him, got them here and not revert back. Like you said, to the kind of the offense that was static two by two short, short breaking routes, those type yeah. of things. John, you do such an excellent job breaking down the tape. What are your thoughts so far from what you've seen from Mozzie? I mean, I'm pretty much in lockstep with what I've seen Brian say, you know, on Twitter and stuff. There's, he, I'm not going to say he's been great. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to say he's been even like good, but there are things that there are a lot of situations where he shows you the traits that made him such a valuable commodity at that point of the draft. But the reason why they have such high hopes for him in the future, you know, his ability, the strength he has in his upper body and the torque yeah. particularly that he can create is so impressive. You just don't see it. I mean, you see a stark contrast between him. I think Hankins has overall been much better than him this season, but mm-hmm. you see the torque and the ability to shed and the ability to generate like explosive power that Mozzie has that a guy like Hankins or guys like that we see Carl Davis and Neville yeah. Gallimore, they just don't have don't that have it. innate thing that he has. But um, like I said, until he's able to get to a point where he's demanding double teams and he's consi- and when they're not, and he's able to shed and, make plays it's just going to be tough and people forget that nose tackle is one of the toughest positions to enter the nfl and i mean go look at Derek brown from carolina go look yeah. at his first couple of years and he's having a really good a career year this year go look at dexter lawrence the all world nose tackle go look at him his first rookie year he wasn't anything close to what he's doing now vita vea as a rookie all these nose tackles when they're as a rookie they struggle because it's a lot you've got to learn there's a lot more that goes into your gap responsibility. There's a lot more. They do a lot more changing with the snap cadence, the snap count. So it's harder to get a more consistent get off than it was in college. So all these type of things make the transition difficult for these young nose tackles. So I'm still really excited and optimistic about what he can be in years two and year three. Hey, John, you're going to get yourself in trouble aligning with me in anything. I just recommend that you don't do that. (laughs) It's probably better for your career if that's the case. Uh, but I, I'm going to ask you this, though, because you, you do have an understanding, a, a really good understanding of Mozzie. Are you seeing, though, the biggest problems he has is when he's laid off the ball? That, that to oh, me, yeah. that's to me when he gets blocked the most is when you watch him and hands are still on the ground and everybody else is moving. Mm-hmm. 
to me, the most disappointing snaps you'll see is when he's lined up in that two eye yeah. with the inside shade of the guard. And he's still, when you have that alignment yeah. advantage against a center on outside zone, there should be zero reason why he ever reaches and cuts you off. Right. But that's happened on more than a handful of occasions with the Mozzie. And that goes down to, like you said, he's slow off the ball. Yeah. And when you're slow off the ball against these really lightning quick centers, I mean, Jason Kelsey was just putting on a, putting on a field day in the yeah. two games of when Mozzie was in and he was playing that kind of two eye and getting reached consistently just because Kelsey's so quick off the ball. And if you give him a bead ahead of you, you're done. And that's just the kind of thing that Mozzie's got to get better. And I think with the off season, I mean, it's not a secret that he's slow off the ball. Everybody can see it. We know that sure. he probably knows the team knows. So I'm hoping throughout the off season, he's going to work his ability to, be quicker on the reactions, to be quicker off the ball. And I think that's going to make a huge, huge difference. John, I've challenged folks. I've said, I wish we could all sit down and just watch tape with the fans and try and point out. I mean, there's good and there's bad. Yeah. But, I mean, just to give everybody an idea. And, again, you don't have to be scouts like, like you and I do, the jobs and stuff, and, and Zach and how we're all involved in watching this tape. But, yeah, if you get the, you know, the NFL.com stuff, you could sit down and you could see it. I mean, you just it's, – it's so clear the issues that he has – but the, but the, for folks to call him a bust right now and all that, I just I am not I am not going there. I, I just can't go there with that kid because I do see exactly the things you're talking about: the torque, the strength, and those things that his ability to play that way. Oh, 100 percent. I totally agree with your idea that I wish you can just go watch film with the fans and kind of like point this out. And it's yeah. kind of a sore spot for me this year because in the past I would do my big film threads after sure. a game, yeah. and I yeah. feel like like. At least that if people disagreed with me, I could give you could them prove it. Proof, you could, yeah, 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 proof of yeah. what's going on in my thought process and why I came to these sure. uh, conclusions. But because of PFF's contracts and stuff, I haven't been able to post yeah, gotcha. uh, clips this year. So I've been noticing that I'm getting a lot more negative feedback towards my conclusions because I don't yeah. have that film to back it up like I did in the past and. It's been very, very frustrating yeah, for you me can, personally. Well, no, you, you can educate folks. I mean, your stuff you is real, work, yeah, really, really good. Do. You can educate folks that way. I just wish, like I said, I think people, if they have a, if you just, if you t- show people what you're talking about, they understand it a lot better. Mm-hmm. They Even really, if they really disagree too. Oh, no, no, absolutely. People go, disagree. Okay, yeah. Like, I understand. Oh, no. Yeah, why absolutely. You come to that conclusion. Yep. Makes no sense. doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. When we're just using words, like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, you know, Mozzie, he's, <laughs> he's showing torque right there. Yeah. Like, oh, shut up. We gave up 250 yards. That's blah, exactly blah, blah, right. Blah. Yeah. yeah, You're just using empty words. Yeah. All these, like, scout talk. And I'm just like, ugh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> John, thank you so much, buddy. We really appreciate you giving us some time today. Keep up the great work. And, uh, hey, hopefully the Cowboys give a better one for us on Sunday to break down. Yes, sir. Really appreciate you guys having me on, and happy holidays. Hope you guys have a great time. You too, too, John. Thanks a lot, man. There he goes, John Owning. You can follow him at John Owning on Twitter. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t oh, 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 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.